Hello again, friends, and uh, welcome to Swing Thoughts, brought to you by TaylorMade Adidas, makers of the M1 driver, the number one driver in golf. And uh, I'm Howard Glassman, along with uh, Tim O'Connor, the mental performance coach for the Clublink Academy. There's never been a better time to be Tim O'Connor. <laughs> yeah, well, I just glad I made it along Toronto's 401 today without any too many mental scars. That'll test your patience. Oh my gosh! You see that picture? There was a um, for you people listening uh, around the world. You know, it's funny that we we're in proximity here in North America, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. The uh, stretch of highway that goes across east to west, west to east, uh, the top of Toronto. Uh, there was a thing. It's, it's the busiest highway in North America. I'll vote for that. It's recently. 16 lanes of chaos. Much like the chaos that uh, happens in your head when you're playing this great game of Oz, Tib. All of a sudden, I'm Regis Philbin. Anyway. I thought it was Daffy Duck. I don't know on, who it was. Daffy Duck on Quaalude. Listen, we are uh, happy to be here. Uh, lots of uh, great golf things to discuss. We'll get to our... Um, our guest today, uh, making his third uh, Swing Thoughts appearance and his second first, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. You can also follow us now on Facebook. It's Swing Thoughts, one word. And um, thank you very much to Glenn Karen. Yes. We, and I keep meaning, because uh, Men's Night was last night, I keep meaning to bring in our, the scorecards right. with our logos on them. Like, we're everywhere now. You Multiple. know? Wow. This used to be just you and I having lunch like a year ago. And now we're talking to people like Richard Zokel, who is a, a former PGA Tour player and a, a guy that has, for the bulk of his professional life, taken a real interest, a, a real intelligent and, um, you know, sort of research-based interest in the mental side, the mental performance aspect of sports, particularly golf, obviously. And uh, we say welcome back, Richard Zokel. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, delightful to be with you. I love the conversation and the topic, and uh, I love your 401 analogy. Yes. Well, listen, if you knew what's going on in my head when I play golf right now, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's, I'm surprised no one's kidnapped me and taken me somewhere. Um, <laughs> all the horrible things I'm thinking. Hey, before we get to uh, today's topic, I just think it's kind of cool because Tim and Richard have been going back and forth about this appearance today, and I was kidding Tim. Before we started, I said, hey, this is pretty cool. Zoko's coming back. He goes, yeah, I go. And I was looking at the uh, the correspondence, like I was copied on the emails. And uh, and now we're apparently on a uh, nickname basis because he, he signs his emails Zoke. I'm like, Am I, are we part of the Zoke inner circle? Is that where we're at? <laughs> yes, you are. That's wow. cool. Like, because uh, uh, I, I have a built-in nickname. It's Humble from the Humble and Fred show. Right. But uh, so now we're like Humble, Zoke, and Tim in the morning. We're like a wacky sports morning show. Yeah. So, so Zoke, if you want to call me like Timmer or Timmy. <laughs> or the OC. Oh, yeah. What's up, OC? Yeah, exactly. What? what? Um, listen, we, man. Are we going to talk about Weirzy later? Wait, we're going to talk about Weirzy. We're going to talk about uh, Ezekiel, uh, you know, Dillette. Oh, I thought you meant the saint. No, I call him Ezekiel. He looks like he's an Amish. He's like Jebediah Dillette. I thought he was like the stand-in for Billy Gibbons on ZZ Top. Uh, we're going to get to all of it, uh, but first we'll welcome back uh, Richard Zogel, who is uh, in Vancouver, B.C. this morning, or today when we're recording this. And, Kelowna. Uh, Kelowna? Is that, yeah, what you, in, is that where you live? I live in Kelowna. Yeah, I work at Predator Ridge. Yeah. That's Kelowna's beautiful. Kelowna. 
Yeah. Look at you living the life. Um, <laughs> I want to get to uh, talk about uh, all the things that Richard's doing. Right, we missed anything. We got TaylorMade. We got ClubLink. We got uh, Glenn Karen. And uh, all we can say is, you know, uh, you've been a, a, sh- a regular now. I guess you're a regular because this is the the first third guest, time. the third t- with first. We did, we've had uh, only a couple people on uh, a couple times, but Richard, we certainly appreciate you taking a couple minutes. Let's get right to before we get to Weirzy. Uh, Tim wrote down a couple things. Can we get a, just a round table back and forth with each other about uh, Dustin Johnson and what happened at the U.S. Open? Why don't you go first? Me or Tim? Zok. Zok. Okay. Okay. Very Zoke. taking a very strong Zoke position man. on this. Um, if you understand the rules of golf, and this is not to say that the rules should be changed, but historically, for the past many, many decades, that the player needs to be responsible for causing the ball to move or inadvertently causing the ball to move, particularly when they ground the club in close proximity to the ball. Um, um, Dustin Johnson in that situation grounded the club ever so close to the ball. The ball moved. Therefore, under the rules as they exist, and they need to be applied to everybody, including Dustin Johnson, even if you don't, even if you don't think it, he caused the ball to move, he must be penalized under that situation. The USGA did get the rule right, but unfortunately, they delivered in an improper manner, which caused an explosion. But uh, first and foremost, they got the rule right. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, OC. What say ye? I say, well, it's a really bad rule for one. Um, just you know, it creates. It, you know the the player has to determine, you know who moved the ball. I, I don't think the burden of proof is it's too hard to judge. Just because he was near the ball, uh, that's enough for a penalty to be to be applied. I I don't think that's enough proof there. I mean the ball ball rolled back. It was on an uphill lie. Um, you know it ha- it does happen. I was playing uh, Tuesday at um, South Muskoka and uh, I was walking back to my ball. And it rolled forward about three inches. No, nope, it, it just it just happened, and I think the same thing just happened to Dustin. So, so I just think it's a bad rule, and it needs to be rewritten. Um, what I love about the event is that Dustin Johnson, despite that, despite mm-hmm. his history, all the scar tissue, you know, the self uh, self inflicted wounds at the U.S. Open, uh, the the uh, the PGA, he came through. That's what came uh to me the usga averted a major league disaster if you know they applied the rule at the end and he loses or misses the playoff they man they dodged that bullet but i was just impressed totally with uh, with dustin johnson okay howard, my howard, turn howard what do you think? um i don't think the rule is the issue I think the rule, you can debate that, the decision on the rule, uh, all you want. What I think is the issue, a couple things for me, and I was texting Tim during the round. We were sort of going back and forth, and at one point, Timmy said something like, uh, kind of a sleepy, not that exciting round of golf or whatever the tournament. And then that thing on the 12th tee when the USGA guy came over, it turned sort of a sleepy afternoon into something pretty exciting kind of for the wrong reasons and yeah. what, I, what I wanted to comment and, and see what you guys thought was I think it was it was a, one of those weird golfy things where th- 
And it happened to happen to a guy who's had some stuff in the past, but it changed the, it altered the nature of the competition in an unfair manner is what I thought of it. What do you think, Richard? Well, first of all, I think fairness should never be used in a sentence as it relates to the game of golf. Oh, it's yeah. The sa- same thing in life. I, you know, is it fair that someone gets hit by a car or gets cancer? It just, it's just part of the, you know, there's, as long as it's equitable for everyone, that's kind of the only way fairness should be approached. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that, um, you know, if they... If, if, the, if it's a bad rule, change the rule. But you can't say, oh, you can't allow Dustin Johnson to be exempt from the rule in competition if that's the rule. Understood. So now what they should have done, because they, it caused a whole bunch of ambiguity to the situation, not only to Dustin, but to all the other players, and it lit up the world of fans who are watching because they don't really under, they don't know the rules. What they should have done is, once they discovered this new information, which caused, um, you know, to the rules committee to overturn the decision by the official in the moment, because the official in the moment didn't get the proper information from Dustin Johnson. He told the rules official that the ball didn't move, and then the official said, therefore, proceed. That's not the correct information. What they needed to do in the 12th tee is say, Dustin, upon further evidence that we saw you ground the club in close proximity to the ball, we are assessing you a penalty, so it's very Yeah, Richard, I, I was wondering, I totally then, agree. One, one more thing. Okay. Then they should have said to him, after the round, you have the option to appeal. To appeal. And then they, re- then they review it. But semantics aside, that's what I meant when I said it unfairly altered the competition. They should have stuck him with the one-stroke penalty on the 12th tee, then everybody, including him, knows where they stand. Yeah, so I wouldn't say, Howard, I wouldn't call it unfair. I just say they did make a definitive uh, decision, which so it, it had ambiguity to everybody. Okay, fine. Tim? My problem was is that on the fifth on the fifth green, the official made a ruling the same way in... Um, uh, in professional sports, an official makes a ruling, and he got on with it. The same way in the NHL, once you get on with it, you can't challenge a play anymore. Yeah, they can. No, once once you've uh, once you've restarted play after a goal. Or oh, well, okay, after you restarted. So. so, so it's the same thing because they're using the video thing. So that's to me where the ambiguity started. On the fifth green, he brings in a he brings in a, a guy who's fully vested as an official to make that type of call. Dustin Dustin reacted. Dick, I was a little confused by something you said, but it didn't move. The reason Dustin Johnson backed off was because it it did move. Yeah. And he pulls in the official and he says, you know, did you cause it to move? Did you ground your club? I don't know the exact nature. He said he, the wording was, did you ground the club? Dustin Johnson said, no, I didn't. That's the wrong information. He did ground the club. He didn't. The, the putter didn't touch the ground. Yes, he did. He grounded his putter twice in his practice stroke. That the is, practice, no, we're, we're talking about when he went to address the ball. It doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter. You're, so that's great, by the way. This is a good conversation yeah. because you're saying that in the if you're making a practice stroke, and this happened to Davis Love years ago, he, yeah. he made a practice stroke and caused the ball to move. So it's not – see, most golf fans, at, at, even at our level, would say, well, I thought it was if you would, in the activity of addressing the ball, it moves. But you're saying, Richard, that in the practice stroke, that's what caused the ball to move. 
I'm not. <clears throat> the rules of golf say that's what the official said. He said, "Did you ground your club?" And it doesn't matter if it's in the act of a practice stroke. Now, if you caught, if you take a practice stroke three feet away, that's different than being in close proximity. Dustin Johnson's grounded the club on two occasions in close proximity to the ball. He was literally millimeters away from his ball, mm-hmm. and then he picked it up and moved. It doesn't matter if he's addressing it or a practice stroke. Grounding the club yeah. is grounding the club. Well, that's, that's great information because most of us uh, erroneously that's part thought... Of, that's part of the, what, the, what the most people don't understand about the rules of golf. He Got didn't it. address the ball. He hadn't yet addressed the ball. Dustin Johnson doesn't know the rule. <clears throat> he well, doesn't know, and so he said to the official, "I didn't ground my club." That's not correct. He did ground the club in this practice stroke. It doesn't matter. If he told the official that he grounded his club, the official would have assessed him a penalty on the spot. Right now, I, I now one of the things Tim said, and I agree with it, is that really the story from our show's perspective, the you know the mental performance side of the game is how he handled himself Mm -hmm. for the rest of that round is a great lesson in being able to tune out the highest level of distraction you possibly could. I I mean, I I was interested in why it became exciting to watch as you're thinking, how is he going to react? How are the other players going to react? Jordan Spieth, I just read something online. He said, you know, if that had been me, I would have thrown a hissy fit. What what Jordan said was, I would have wanted it... um, taken care of and, you know, figured it out, resolved at that point. Tiger Woods said he wouldn't have gone on unless they told him what the, what the, what the ruling was. Well, those guys are talking brave from the position they're in. Yep. If you're in the moment, if you're in competition, you can't sit there and go, I'm not going to move un- un- until we get this resolved. Sorry, the rules don't work that way. If that's the case, you'll get penalized again. Right. So... Uh, I know Rory said that, Tiger said that, and Jordan Spieth said that. But uh, you know, they're think, they're they're commenting from emotions, and I think pretty much a lack of maturity. Strong because they, they don't Very understand good. the rules of golf. Let's talk. Well, you know what? Let's now segue. I'm glad we talked that over because I think I can't speak for Tim, but I just learned something. I I just assumed my whole life that it was in the activity of addressing the ball, and you're saying it's proximity to. And now I think we all learned something, including the practice, which is stroke. why you're the Zokinator. <laughs> you're the Zokatroid. You're Zoki, uh, Richard. Um, you've been in the news a little bit. I mean, it was news to a lot of golf fans, but uh, or maybe is this a news? Is this news or just, just one of those things that's on the down low? Oh, I would say this is a newsy thing. Uh, Richard Zogel, who's made a, a lifetime of studying the mental side of uh, performance in the game of golf, and he's performed at the highest level. And um, so, can you? Like, I know you. We talked a little bit before the show about how much we can talk about this, but. Is, it is now a fact that you're going to be working with uh, Canada's other, you know, very, very famous golfer, um, Mike Weir. Yes. Now, is that something that, and again, you can at any point say, ah, guys, I don't want to talk about it. Did you approach him? Did he approach you? Well, I've been watching, you know, I helped Mike out, kind of mentored him once he turned pro, got him introduced to... Um, playing practice rounds, introduced my management team and so forth and for the first few years before he got on tour and, and helped them a great, uh, you know, help them out as he, as he was making his way. 
And being such a good friend of his and watching him, um, you know, watching his performance decline in recent years, and I think all of Canada has been watching that as well, and being a little bit frustrated and knowing Mike as I do, I was really concerned. Uh, But it's very difficult to reach out to somebody to say, I can help you. I mean, he gets, everyone gets that when you're at that level all the time. And uh, just by happenstance, Mike, a couple of, a few weeks ago, came to Predator Ridge out here in in, uh, in Vernon, British Columbia, for a vacation, and I was able to get his attention. Nice. Went, I said, um, you know, I've, I've been meaning to reach out to you. I have some ideas that I think can help you, but it certainly can't be done over the phone. So we talked philosophically what was going on, and it mostly revolved around thoughts and the psychology and what where his attention is. Then we went down to the range and uh, started to talk to him and kind of tighten things up a bit, and he liked what the philosophies that I was talking about. Then I talked to him about this system that I use in order to be accountable in performance on the golf course, because this is where he's really, you know, struggling with. And I was asking him questions where his thoughts were, and it really proved out that he was really kind of off offline, so to speak, of where it need, needed to be to perform. So we started working together, and then he said, like, you know, I like what you're, what you're saying and what you're doing, and would you consider coming to the Canadian Open with me and work on it? So I said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So that's how it started. That's very cool. It is very cool. So you've been in the past, Dick, uh, on this show, you talked about uh, Mike uh, being too mechanical with his swing, maybe, not maybe, but he he definitely was operating from his left brain, the linear part. Mm -hmm. So how much of this has been a, a key part of your work with Weirzy? Well, in general, it's it's fundamental. Like most golfers fall into this trap, and it's kind of like as I mentioned earlier shows. The older you get, the more logic your brain you default to because it only makes logical sense to to figure these things out. People don't really realize that if they have compulsive thoughts in this in this type of thinking, it'll make matters worse. You'll get down the rabbit hole, and it'll really become a problem, and it can become a problem to a point where it becomes a disorder and then it moves into um, you know the the heebie-jeebies as, as yeah. Ernie calls them I love that I love that saying so we're trying to bypass it before it gets to that problem and 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 you have to have literally a discovery of the problem so I asked Mike I said when you move into your ball on the golf course like I don't care what happens on the driving range all I care about is you're on the first tee you're in this whatever you're in a tournament play you're in competition on the golf course. When you go into your routine, what are you thinking of? Because right, I look back at your routine and you take the club back and his attention, his eyes go back to see where his plane is. I go, what are you thinking? He says, well, I'm thinking about my backswing. And I said, okay, it, let's make the same analogy as a pitcher. If I'm a pitcher on the mound and if I don't stand up to the mound and I'm about to throw this ball, if my routine doesn't incorporate having, being mindful of the catcher or the target or the batter and I'm, all my attention is on my wind-up, I might throw that ball in the stands. Exactly, exactly. You need to, and I said, your attention, and I said to him, Mike, when you were playing your best, like let's say you're coming down the last few holes on Sunday at Augusta when you won, your routine was zeroed in and locked into the target. 
wasn't it? So I asked him that. He goes, you're right. And so I think what was happening, the discovery was, is Mike, uh, he just didn't realize, um, you know, where his thoughts were. And, and he was doing things that he thought was the, in the best interest of his game. But, um, you know, they, they, they weren't. And we're now then what we had to do is, is rebuild a brand new routine that had to be short and fast. Yeah, well, this is uh, great stuff, uh, Dick, because um, you're hitting on exactly what, what I've been seeing in in Weir um, and in other players is mm-hmm. that when you start, when you divide your attention from target or presence with what's going on within you, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, am I doing this mechanical thing correctly? Your attention becomes fractured mm-hmm. and you right. lose connection to target. So, um, yeah, that really resonates with me. Um, the other thing I thought was really interesting, you mentioned compulsive. I'd like you mm-hmm. to elaborate on what you mean by that. Okay, so you remember in earlier shows we talked about, and this is, this is stuff that, I mean, I didn't make this up. I'm just following kind of thoughts from scientists who are doing work with the Harvard Me- Department of Psychology at Harvard Medical. Um, Which is, by uh, the way, I'm going to yeah. tell you a little foreshadowing. Where my game is at right now, yeah. I probably need a group of scientists to follow me around. Uh, but I'll, I'll explain later. Go ahead, uh, well, Richard. Well, you, you're into compulsive oh, logical You have thought. no idea, son. So what happens is, um, uh, is you, you know, if you're compulsive in thinking, you're, you have thoughts, you're like your left brain, your logical brain, it, it, it's been proven that it can only project forward or project back and remember past you know, experiences. So that's your left brain. When you're in the present moment, your attention, in my mind, in, in what other people's scientists' minds, you're in the present state. You're in your, in your uh, right brain or in, where your intuition lies, and you're into spatial thought, like throwing a ball. That takes spatial thought. Very different thought than projecting into the future and adding, you know, one plus one equals two. So when you when your attention lives in your left brain, that's where anxiety lives, and you're constantly worried about your expectations um, about what may or may not happen in the future. That, remember when we talked about the analogy, you're standing on the first tee, and you look down the fairway, you haven't hit the shot yet, you see out of bounds left and water right. Mm-hmm. You future project what may or may not happen, and anxiety builds, and it disrupts your ability to execute the shot. So that's that's a bad now all of a sudden let's use I love your analogy on the 401 the 401 is like a neuro pathway and all the cars on the 401 are individual thoughts <laughs> now you put all these compulsive thoughts on the 401 and you have mayhem does that make sense? Oh, Absolutely yeah. makes sense. And, and so and that's it's a why very you're similar thing. You need to calm it down. You need to stifle that out-of-control compulsive thoughts to calm it down. You need to do things like meditation to be able to calm it down. That's why hyperactive, logical people say, I can't meditate. Well, they haven't trained themselves to do it. If you train yourself to do it, just like saying an obese person who says, I can't, I can't run a marathon, that's because you haven't trained yourself. You have to build up those building blocks to move you, to transcend you into a different, um, you know, be compulsive with fitness or be compulsive with good thoughts opposed to being compulsive with bad thoughts. Understood. So so you're now going, and I, I want to talk to you too um, a little bit about, you know, your schedule when you come out here because... Mm-hmm. 
two things. It would be awesome to have you in our studio. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, you know, I don't know how you would feel about going out and golfing with uh, me and O'Connor here, but I think that might be fun for you to watch, uh, you know, the Swing Thoughts uh, host in action. Um, I'm not sure what kind of time you're going to have, but I think I could get us on a uh, pretty decent golf course. I don't know. First of all, I don't think you I'm going to bring my golf clubs. I'm, I'm coming in on Sunday, and Monday morning I'm going to be on the golf course with Mike, and we're going to be reporting his his what I call golf uh, I golf zone. Okay. And, and, and that's the next step. Is is like first of all, you have to have a proper routine and. and l- um, so I, my time, I thank you very much. Yeah, you don't, Richard, don't worry about it. We'll work this out offline. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. If it was possible, great. So um, let's talk about the steps you're going to take with Mike, and then I'm going to tell you about a golfer that uh, could possibly use your help as well. Um, I think there's just like, yeah, we've got most majority of golfers need this help. Oh, that's, so that's you're going to, it. what is it you told Mike that uh, our listeners are sort of handicapped golfers? Um, might start thinking about, you know, this is being recorded on June 30th, Canada Day weekend, happy Canada Day. People are going to be out on the golf course. Maybe they have important matches to play. What are some of the kind of things a person listening might say, okay, well, maybe if I start thinking about this versus that, what are some of the takeaways for our golfers listening? Uh, well, the first step is you have to have a routine. And, and, and that routine has to be um, uh, fundamentally sound. It has to be as short as possible. So you can use it in pressure situations, and you need to train that routine to get you into uh, to deal with pressure situations and to absolutely occupy your mind so your mind doesn't uh, run off to those bad thoughts of uh, projecting into, into the future and building anxiety. So that needs to be trained and then relied upon. Um, then what needs to be done is you need to uh, to constantly do these, you know, have these thoughts or recording your, what I call your execution quotient of assessing and executing and putting a valuation on it and then reporting it. What, the, what happens there is you need to be accountable. This is all good golfers do this automatically. But when you take it to the next level and start to uh, record your um, assessments on, that would be like choosing the right club or choosing the right shot or reading the right putt, and then putting your attention on uh, your, your ability to execute that, when you record it, then you're able, your, your improvement will accelerate dramatically. Uh, if you don't put your attention on it, then you're likely to make the same mistakes over and over again and not really improve. Mm-hmm. So, Dick, tell me about how your piece about um, the assessment works, because that's largely where things fall apart for a lot of golfers, is in um, choosing the right club, um, what they're aware of as they're, as they're addressing the ball, um, how did that assessment piece, how did you find some clarity and see the value in that? Well, when, you, when a golfer assesses their situation, every person is different, and that's the beauty of it. So a, let's take a 20 handicapper, for an example, opposed to a PGA Tour player. It's relatively the same thing. So that golfer needs to kind of assess the situation. Like, is, does he have a good lie? Does he have a bad lie? Is it a side hill lie? How, uh, which way is the wind blowing? How, what's the distance to, 
um, you know, the target, whether it's the fairway or not, how you're swinging that day. So you have to come to some conclusions all by yourself, and you have to put attention to this. And depending on how, you know, if you constantly make a mistake, like in your assessments, like uh, not and a lot of amateurs do this. They don't choose the right club. They always mm-hmm. choose a club that goes shorter distance than they should. They don't, it's, you know, they don't take enough club, as they say. So they're constantly not learning from their poor assessments and making re- and reassessing properly. So if they measure this and they're constantly coming up short, they should learn to add another golf club if that's part of their problem. And they need to look at it very subjectively rather than just dismissing it and causing them to uh, you know, make the same mistakes over and over again. That's when you get into what I call the golf insanity. Well, most golfers just go to result. It's the score. And they, they walk right. away from a round thinking, oh, I shot 84 today or 96 or something. And they don't look at that assessment piece of what, of what exactly. went on into it. So and that's well, what contributed to those numbers yeah. is uh, they don't often think about, you know, they'll think, oh, I took a triple on that hole. But they're not thinking, oh, okay, I had a bad lie. It was kind of iffy. I probably should have just laid up. I probably shouldn't have tried to hit the hybrid when blah, 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 blah. All they know is they took uh, an eight right. on a par five. And that's the bad, the poor thinking. They're constantly compulsively thinking of the results. And then it compounds the matter, and they get, start to get down the rabbit hole. And they keep doing this over and over again, and the deeper they get. Rather than putting their attention on, when, you put, when a golfer puts their attention on, okay, I'm faced with this shot, you know, it speaks to the one shot of, at the time, <clears throat> one shot of, uh, at a time mandate. So you stand there, you assess it. And then you execute it. All success comes down, when you refine it down, it comes down to two things. Your ability to assess and your ability to execute. That's it. It's that simple. And now it's different for, as I mentioned, a 20 handicapper or or Tiger Woods. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's relative. And if you put your attention on assessing and executing and start to uh, record that data, that information, then inherently it brings you back into the present. If you're playing golf and your thoughts project to the result, it, the, your thoughts will inherently put you into the future, which will stimulate anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And so I think what you're talking about in many ways is just playing from a more neutral mindset. When you take a look at your assessment, you find find out where you are, you take your emotions out of it. You don't live and die. You know, when you make a triple, you don't want to just kill yourself. Although, you know, wait a second, you don't don't feel so great. <laughs> wait, wait a second, you don't want to kill yourself when you make a triple? Okay, <laughs> yeah, me, me neither. So, Howard, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you've been really. Uh, I've been playing as much golf. It's been a nut month for me. But you've been recording your thoughts in um, in Birdie dot com. Friends of show again. Yeah. Um, yeah not does, not as much in the last three weeks. Oh, but uh, go ahead. You just didn't want to commit. No, because I because here's the thing. I've been having such vile thoughts on the golf course lately. I didn't think I should put them down for fear of people coming to take me away. Um, what, did you have a question for me? Because I have a question for Richard. I was just well. Well, no, well Richard was going to ask your question of Richard, but I, I want to get into this app that he's working on and how that how that. Okay, works we can on get, we'll get it, we'll get to the app at the end. Um, can we? We're going. I tell you what, we're going to do. Richard, are you cool for another like 15 minutes with us? Be happy to. Yes. Great. So I wonder, because uh, 
we've kind of been hinting. We talked about it on our last show that I had, uh, you know, not the best result at a big tournament. But I play a lot of tournament golf. I play, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago I played it, you know, in the province of Ontario. Two weeks ago I played in the biggest tournament that was being played. And it was a little bit outside my comfort zone. Uh, just to, real briefly, years ago I played in a bunch of these tournaments. But it's been a long time, and I, I qualified for this tournament. It was great. And um, what I would ask you is this. One of the things that has come up for me, because I'm in a real... For I said to Tim before we started recording, for someone that knows as much as me in terms of the, the, the amount I've read and discussed on the mental side, me the uh, broadcaster and me the golfer are two different people. Because me the golfer right now, uh, is, I'm playing as bad as I, can, I possibly can. And one of the things that's come up, one of the millions of things that have come up is when you're playing at a high level and you're playing with other people that are playing well, I f- I've been finding it hard... Um, because I, and I'm going to be honest, I find myself thinking, you know, why, why not me? Every, every break I get seems to be a bad break. I've been playing with guys that are playing really, really good, and I'm thinking, you know, shit. You know, I'm as good as that guy. I'm better than that guy, and I'm not playing as well. I don't seem to be able to access my natural ability. And so, of course, I'm having nothing but compulsive thought, thoughts about my golf swing, compulsive thoughts about my process. You know, I'm not, I'm, I've had, um, you know, a bunch of tournament golf recently that I haven't had that many great results. Well, because you're thinking about results. The, the harder you push into your compulsive thoughts, the worse it's going to get. And then when you throw in the biggest tournament of your life, you're just magnifying it times up, times 10. 100%. So you're not recognizing you're down the rabbit hole. Oh, I'm way down. You're way down, exactly. So you have to give up, you know, like Knudsen said, in order to gain control, you have to give up. So you have to give up your logical thought compulsiveness. And you're going to have to start, like, it, it's not easy when you're that far down. The, it's kind of like, uh, you know, a guy who's trying to stop. He's an alcoholic, and he's got to stop drinking. He makes a decision on the day to stop drinking. Okay, that's wonderful. So there's some people that are able to maintain those good thoughts and stay dry for 20 years. But if the guy, um, uh, uh, you know, breaks his, you know, breaks his uh, thoughts and goes back to it and starts drinking in, in the th- on the third day, you know, he's not making great progress. It's the same type of thing. You have to catch yourself in th- those thoughts, understand that, and then have a plan of a different type of thought that you have to go to. Start, you're going to have to, in my mind, you're going to have to learn how to get your conscious attention into the present moment. And that equals learning how to meditate. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was saying to Timmy before the show, um, the first couple months of the season, I was uh, been meditating a lot. I was recording a lot of uh, golf stuff. And physically, I was, you know, probably playing as well as I can. I had, I had like a month and a half where I never shot over 75. And I was having a lot of good results, played well in some tournaments, qualified for this tournament, really didn't even mean to. Just showed up and had a, a good number that day, mm-hmm. and now I'm like the opposite. I'm like a, exactly. the negative. It's like now I'm just chasing my tail, and it's funny what's coming up for me because I know better. But you know, like even last night I played in a little mini tournament, and uh, you know I uh, found my ball, and, and there was three of us that kind of blocked tee shots, but pretty good shots, and the other two balls were were findable and playable and i found my ball and as soon as i saw it i'm like you gotta be kidding me because it was in the worst possible spot right. of well, the three here, of here. Us. let me just yeah. stop you right there yeah you are emotionally 
attached to the results. I know. It blows you apart. We've been working on this, Dick. No, I know. That that is destructive thinking at the highest level. This is why I'm sharing it with you, too. Like, I'm the only one. No, everyone's in this boat. What's that, pal? Everyone's in this. Most golfers are in the in this boat. I've done that. Now, and you know what? If I really want to improve, I got to stop doing that because it's killing me. Well, I got to tell you, and, and I've noticed all these things. And again, I'm fairly versed in the in the lexicon of the mental side of the game. And and I, if I were my caddy, you know, it's funny. Um, in the first round of this this big tournament I played in, I, it was interesting because, you know, it's like. I was telling somebody, you know, we, we had live scoring. I mean, it was way beyond my emotional mm-hmm. ability. So every three holes, there's a woman as volunteer saying, you know, what are your scores? And the two guys I'm playing with, the two, one of the kids I played with ended up tying for fifth. Really good golfer, right? So, you know, the other two guys in the group are like 3-4-3. Uh, three, three. Other guy, 4-4-3. Four, four, three. Howard, 8-6-5. And, and it was funny. It became a joke with me because every time I'd see the volunteer, I'm like, oh, Christ, here we go. Well, we yeah. use uh, three, three, five. Howard, eighteen, four, yeah, you're a, triple. You're, you're in emotional hell. You're oh, incarcerated dude. in emotional hell. Because I don't know if most people have ever been. I'm, I'm honestly, most people listening have never had that. I mean, it was the it was the kind of pressure that you see guys on TV have. Because all of a sudden, it's like now I got to. And, and all my friends texted me after the round, going, "Hey, too bad about that eight. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I was being reco- <laughs> it was being live scored. Mm-hmm. So people hey. knew how crappy I was playing in real time." And, and, and what you just described was no different than the first time I had a lead going into the final round of a PGA tournament right. in, on national TV. Me shooting 79 while I had the lead of, a, uh, uh, of the PGA tournament, the 1986 Anheuser-Busch Classic, was the same thing. It was hell. I'm you know, writing down bogeys upon bogeys upon bogeys on national television. So how do you do it? Well, I said, what I had to understand what's going on, and then I had to learn from it. This is these are learning opportunities, 100%. and if you don't, if you repeat the same thing over and over again, don't learn from it. Um, that's insanity. You've got to not. You got to. St- be able to see the compulsive and bad thoughts of projecting into the future and why it's causing you this emotional anguish which debilitates your ability to hit golf shots then you have to change it you have to get present that's why all these players work with sports psychologists because they bump into that same problem as you Howard exact every golfer does well you know it's interesting when I ask you how you dealt with it because obviously you learned how and and it gave you know like again it's mm-hmm. been a long time since I played at this level, but I have played it. I've played right. in four amateurs. I've played in the national amateur, but right. I found myself so far out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And it's interesting because my score went down by 10 shots in the second round, and I, I didn't make the cut, but I thought to myself, you know, if I'd had one more day, exactly. I needed one more day, and I would have been able to be that much more comfortable because my second day was a, a totally different feeling. Right. And, and when that happened in my mind, I, that's when I started working with Dr. Richard Lanetto from the University of Guelph, and he had this situation. He had this heart monitor rate, and he started 
teaching the rhythms of biofeedback. And so when you look at uh, what Graham DeLatt has gone through in the past month, that's what he reverted to. He went to the focus band to start working on his feedback, and uh, he's playing today for the first time, or this week at Barracuda. So, But this is the problem that all golfers have, and they have to learn to gain control of their thoughts and make sure they obsessively don't go down the wrong, they don't get on the 401. They've got to make sure they go down the proper pathways. You get on the 401 in rush hour, nothing good is going to happen. Yeah, so Dick, a lot of... Um a lot of the stuff's really resonating with me. I like the word "conscious" that you use, um, and I think what what happens to to golfers is they just get so disassociated with what's actually going on in their body. And what I'm going to connect to is their feelings, their emotions. And so when you're having um, you know a hard time in the Anheuser Busch or Howard's looking at his lie. He's connecting to the to the result, but he's also connecting to fear, and he's connecting to maybe even shame that you know I'm not going to be able to make this score, I'm not going to be able to, to do True. this. And when we're in that place of of being affected by those those feelings and not being conscious of them, we lose connection to the club, we lose connection to target. All that good stuff we have is is gone out the window. So there's been a lot of talk about controlling your thinking, but I don't. Th- I think that if you're not aware of your emotions and what's going on, that to me is the starting place. Well, no, I, I think it's <clears throat> I think it's a little different than that, in my opinion, Tim. I think thoughts, your thoughts determine your emotions. I agree. I agree. And I think Tim would think that your emotions are also informing your thoughts as well. They can be if they're not controlled. I like to detach emotionally. And you make it as cold-blooded as possible. So it doesn't matter if you made a double eagle the hole before, or it doesn't matter if you made a quadruple bogey the hole before. What matters is the shot right now. And you put all your attention on it without any emotional connection to the outcome. I agree with that. However, emotions do come up. And it doesn't mean that if you're angry, it means uh, I'm a bad golfer for being angry or I'm really sad about what's going on. It doesn't mean that, you know, buck up, buckaroo. To me, it starts with awareness. Oh, that's what's going on. Right. And if you're, in my mind, if you're able to control your thoughts, you will become less emotional. I get that. It's almost like you're you're arguing. It's like two sides of a a similar debate. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, Tim's idea is that... When you control your thought, your thoughts are the initial start of any action or feeling. Well, let's uh, let's use, uh, if I can, because, you know, hey, I'm here. Um, I... uh, you know, my schedule has been such that, you know, the Mid-Am came up, played in it, a bunch of big invitationals played in them. And then I'm taking some time off a week from uh, tomorrow. I'm going away with my daughter for a nice trip. and um, But un- not unfortunately. It sounds strange because I love golf so much. But right now I'm in such a um, dis- disconnected Fun. way. But I have a I have a big tournament that I'm that I'm trying to qualify for on Monday, mm-hmm. and um, what I was going to do is after we said goodbye to you, I was going to talk to Tim about it on the show. But I might as well throw it out to you. Basically, mm-hmm. I have a practice round tomorrow for the provincial senior am, mm-hmm. which I should. And again, I'm not being a dick about it. No offense, no pun intended. But I should easily qualify for it, and I think I'm, you know, I think I, you know, should do well against guys can't, my own can't age. Catch your thoughts right here. Catch I your know. Right here, I Mark. know. 
down the rabbit hole I right know. there. I know. Not Let, good. Okay. That's should word, right? Dick? Not good. Okay. What you need to do is stay present. Let me finish then. Okay, go ahead. So I got my, I'm, I'm giving you the reality of my situation. Tomorrow's Friday, practice round. Now I got to play Saturday, I have a match. Sunday, I'm taking the day off. My qualifier is Monday. Mm-hmm. And I played last night, and uh, it was just absurd how horribly I hit the golf ball. Now, what am I going to do between now and Monday? Well, first of all, you have to understand the situation you're in. You're in the barrel, and you're, you're pretty close to the waterfall. It, it, it all Where you are right now, Howard, is based upon all the thoughts you've had in your past million present moments. Nothing will change it. You have to start now in order to slow it down and then inevitably get, get, uh, gain control of it. Do you want me to come to Predator Ridge this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> Do, I will get on a plane. I'll be in wherever the hell you live. You need to, first of all, understand that your compulsive thoughts that you're using right now are destructive. They're hurting you. They're they're not helping you. So you've got to, you can do a, you can play games with yourself and say, the hell with it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's, that will help you. But it's only a short-term fix. It's not a solution. But you have to, the more intense pressure you think about this, projecting what's going to happen on Monday, the, you're, just, you're just throwing gasoline on that fire. Yeah, Dick, exactly. And, and you're, if you want to start, and it doesn't mean, you, like, keep in mind, like, and this is what I was saying to Mike, I said, just because we got it, you got a new routine, a new thought, you're going to, as soon as you get back, he's playing in the, in the French Open this week. This is the first time you're, it's kind of like a baby learning to walk again. Mm-hmm. But you've got to start it. And you've got to you've got to be committed to it because it's the right process. Because you got to understand that all we have, all we ever have, is our present present moment experiences. Understood. And where we are today are based upon how we dealt with our present moments in our past life. And if we're on a bad path, we're probably going to have a conditioned response to go back there. So when you go back to your first tournament, you're probably going to default back to where your conditioning was. And this is what I told Mike as well. So, but what you have to do is hold the line, stay strong, and rebuild the structure. Okay. Well, um, I'll try that. I'm not you, sure what that is. The first is, thing though. you have to do, Howard, is just catch yourself from from those future thoughts and your emotional connection to the results. Well, I can tell you as a golfer, as a tournament player, I can tell you looking back on some of the tournaments and the, the play of the last, say, month or so, I definitely have not been as target-connected as I sort of usually am. I'm usually mm-hmm. very good at going, that's where I want to hit it, this is how I see it in my mind, and executing it. Whereas what I've been doing a Perfect. lot the last month is trying to remember how to hit a golf ball. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, get connected to the target, and then no matter whether it's a good shot or, or bad shot, let it go. Move to the next shot, connected to the target, assess, execute, let it go. And then um, and, 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 and any time you feel your emotions being attached to the results, you're going to say, stop that. Start breathing. Start, you know, have a plan to, ha- to, have, to do something. And that's when, when I was out of my comfort zone, when I was trying to win in Milwaukee, all I talked to myself about was breathing between shots. And remember, that's what Jack Nicholas does, too. He's, mm-hmm. You've got to test yourself and have a plan to deal successfully when you're out of your comfort zone. 
All right. Well, I will. Uh, I'll definitely start thinking about that. In our last couple of minutes here with Richard Zokel, I know uh, Tim mentioned, or I, did you mention the I Zone? I golf zone. I golf yeah. zone, uh, which you'll, we'll talk about in future shows. But all, all of this is uh, by way of saying there's there's methods, there's technology, there is um, things that people can do to make the experience better. Because I got to tell you the truth, and other golfers will relate to this. There have been times in the last couple of weeks on the golf course that I was like, "What am I doing this for?" Mm-hmm. Like I just feel depleted of energy. Oh yeah, um, to, which is bizarre because it's supposed to be something I love doing. Right. Exactly. No, that's that, that's exactly it. And I think it's another. I think everyone can relate to this, Howard. People that are have these compulsively poor thoughts, um, literally destroy themselves in, in this position. And and you've got to grab hold. You got to recognize it. You got to change it and yeah. do something about it. And the first thing is is just saying, to, let it go. L- let the results go. And, and, and play the game for why you want to play it, for the, re- the challenge at hand, uh, to feel good about, about your game, not yourself. Because when you identify, as we talked about before, when you identify your, your, who you are to your game, that's when you are, oh, man, that is so awful. And, and golfers have a tendency to do that. They come home, they kick the dog, and, and uh, they're not happy. And uh, it's, just a, it's just an improper balance. Richard Zoko, always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, talking to us, and thanks for uh, being so uh, uh, open and honest about what's happening with Weir. And uh, you know, always a pleasure. We'll uh, we'll talk again, guys. I always love talking to you guys. You guys are uh, really making a difference in the game. I think it it it, it really matters. Uh, we hey, appreciate it. And uh, listen, you're, forget about your schedule here in, in Toronto, but if something comes up and you've got a, a second or two, we'd love to uh, grab you for a coffee. Maybe we'll do a little, we could, we could find you somewhere and record a show remotely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to be down at Glen Abbey from yeah. Sunday to Sunday. I'll be there too. Uh, well, yeah, we all live, I, I live five minutes from there, dude. Well, let's grab a coffee. Hang out. I, I work out there. Yeah, Tim works there with me and Zoke and Tim. All let's right, pal. A, let's get together. Let's we should. Chat. Humble Zoke and Timmer. There you go. Hey, you dudes, get check this out. I'm going to tell you what. I, I got this opportunity. I got a call yesterday from my friends at Club Link. Uh, and uh, they said, what do you do? Well, this, my friend said, what are you doing next Wednesday? I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to play men's night, but I can easily not, considering how that's been going. I, he said, well, there's this kid named Jordan Nibrugi who finished sixth. At the uh, Open Championship last year, he's a uh, amateur now, but he uh, he's like he's you know he's like a phenomenon. He was the public player champ, public public player uh, winner at the in the U.S. U.S. Publics, and he finished sixth in the British Open, sixth. Anyway, I'm playing a practice round with him at the Abbey next Wednesday. Oh, far awesome. out. Yeah, no, I was like totally stoked because it's like, yeah. I don't even care how I play. I just, just to be close to a, what a 22-year-old, a PGA Tour phenomenon golfer is going to be like. It's going to be mind-blowing. Well, you know, good point. And you know what? They've got that fresh mind, and they haven't uh, they haven't been introduced <laughs> to the right. 401 yet. Let's That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, well, I, it's funny because when I said I went online and looked at this kid's golf swing, it's just insane. And golf, what, yeah. that's what's so good about this game. I was trying to explain it to my radio partner, Fred. I said, there's no other game in the world where I would be, where a 56-year-old guy would be able to go onto the same playing field exactly. as a, you know, 22-year-old budding superstar in the sport. Like, like I'm not going to go shoot baskets with the kid who's mm-hmm. number one draft pick from Indiana. Mm-hmm. Like it really is. It's going to be neat because I mm-hmm. again I got to play with a couple kids last week in this mid am. One of them was, like I said, he, t- he tied for fifth and just watching hit, him hit a golf ball. You know, in between my triples, it was it was pretty fascinating. 
Okay, Howard, in between yeah, your exactly. unsatisfactory assessments and unsatisfactory executions. Yeah, in between okay. my unsatisfactory assessments that all my friends saw on the Internet. That's right. It's so funny. I see my buddy Fred the next night. We went to a concert. He goes, hey, a good couple birdies there in the back. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, we were at the cottage watching you. I was like, shut up. It was a tough golf course. Dude, it was seven. Here, check this out, Zokes. It was 7,000 yards, uh, and it was just blowing all day and you know if i'm hitting the ball good it's fine i can handle it but hitting it you know not on the center of the club though these kids are hitting it like 290 in the air and yeah. i was like necking it out there 245 i've got like a hybrid end of the par four and this kid i go what did you hit there he goes nine iron i'm like shut your face all right <laughs> okay here's my last tip yes for you on give me, talk to me here's the last tip don't throw gasoline on the fire that's okay it. we'll just leave it there that's it that's like like and that's when you have these thoughts coming up, feelings of, of, you know, just go, let it go. Just say, let it go. Okay. Yeah. Let it go. Appreciate it, man. Okay, guys. This is Richard Zokel. Thank you. All right, 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 Richard Zokel. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. Nice being with you guys. No, it was Bye. great being with you. There's, we're going to hang up on Richard Zokel now. Yeah, man. Jordan Nee, I, I, he's got an interesting last name, Nee Brugge. Ever heard of him? It's ringing a bell. I'm telling you, that guy's a, a golf. He, he, as an amateur, a golf stud. He's a golf superstar, and uh, they call me and said they're, they're looking for like a single digit, you know, whatever. I said I, I'd be happy to do it. Um, and I, I thought about you know again, what a great sport for that. Oh yeah. Because uh, you know we're going to be playing the back tees at the Abbey, which will be fun for me because I've never done it. And just to be in the cart watching this kid, you know, that I'm probably, you're going to see this kid on TV, just to be up close. Because uh, in the olden days when I was a member of the National in my 30s and 40s, I got to be around a lot of players, including Weir and a bunch of guys on the tour. But it's been a long time since I've seen it up close. Because seeing it up close as a golf fan, like, you know, you and I, it, it will be amazing. I'm really looking forward to it because it really is a unique thing about our sport. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you couldn't go on the ice with Sidney Crosby no. and pass the puck around. Or be... who's that new kid that uh, just got drafted, um, the Leafs' number one draft pick? Oh, Austin Matthews. Yeah, yeah, it would be like being on – but, yeah, you know, you know what? You could go for a skate in a practice arena with this kid, but you're not getting into a game with him. No. But in golf, like, we're going to be playing on the same field, um, playing the same game. You know, it'll just be interesting to see how he goes about his business and what kind of things he'll be looking for. And, you know, I'm just, uh, it'll be, it's, it's funny. I'm more excited about that than I am about playing in the uh, Senior Am Qualifier. You know, it's, it's so much fun. I played with a uh, Canadian tour player a couple weeks ago. And the Canadian tour players are just, you know, a s- couple strokes away from being on PJ Tour. Uh, absolutely. They, they hit it that well. And the speed in which, uh, no. particularly these young guns, the, the you know, yeah, we're over 55 here, so it's different. But when they're hitting the ball, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And, and it's funny you say that because one of the kids I played with in the mid-am who finished fifth, um, really good player, excuse me, um, but kind of small, you know, five, six-ish, seven. But the, the, his golf swing was amazing. And and I had enough presence of mind to watch him, you know, conduct his business. Just a really solid ball striker. And, and, and but he would be so far from the Canadian tour player and they would be so far from this kid that I'm going to play with. It's just a different world. And, you know, you know, I played in a scramble yesterday and the guys I was playing with are two days ago. You know, every time I got the ball airborne, they were all like, oh, my God, yeah, you're amazing. Yeah. You know, 
I, a couple of times I sort of I, I necked a few out there like 250, 255, and I was like, as soon as I hit it, I was like, oh, you suck. And they were like, oh, my God, did you see that? Exactly. I said to my buddy, I said, you know, because he knew he was a golfer. I said, these two guys, when I actually hit one, they're going to lose their minds. <laughs> um, and then I finally did hit one like in the actual center of the club, and they were like, they didn't even know what to say because it had a different sound to it. Yeah, yeah it uh, Anyway, good talk today. I'm... Um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Like, my enthusiasm for the way I've been playing, even when I play okay now, my assessment of it, and I love that. I wrote those down, assess and execute. My assessment of even my, like, when I shoot 76 or 7 now, which I do, I still think it sucks. Mm-hmm. Because I'm in such a mind frame, I'm actually. It's it's great that we're doing this show because I'm I am as as good as I felt about golf a couple months ago. I'm at the opposite end of the scale, and I know that guys listening will relate to that because we all go through that. And I said this Cycle. to my buddies last night. You know, golf's about peaks and valleys, um, and I'm in the valley now, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get out of it, but uh, it's tough. You know, every day I go there now, I'm like, okay. You know, I, I, I know enough to start each round anew, but pretty soon I'm in this mode of, you know, there's that bad. You know, I, I couldn't tell you how many times last night um, that I was feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. Like, who wants to do that? I know, but what I love about our show is that what you're going through is no different, as Zoke talked about. See, my good pal Zoke. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, by the way, from now on, amongst my golf buddies, I'm going to go, yeah, we had Zoke on the show. They're going to, who are you talking about? Oh, well, he, we, only his friends call him that. Exactly. You, you call him Mr. Zokel. We're on the inner circle. Yeah, we're part of the Zoke inner sanctum. Yeah, so us in the inner sanctum, but... Everyone goes through this stuff. I know. Feeling sorry for themselves, getting compulsive and down the rabbit hole. Every golfer does this. And that's why I, it's really cool on a personal note to see Zoke now. <laughs> so I'm getting a habit of it now. Now he's working with Weirzy. And this could lead to him working with more people because that's where his passion mm-hmm. lies. He loves this stuff. And that's why he's been a, become a, a friend of ours. I've talked to him over the years. You know, sometimes I think it's going to be a 10 minute phone call. It's like an hour and a half because he just loves this stuff and he knows it. And so he really has been reiterating a lot of stuff that we've been talking about and things like um, like in your language, when you talk just like so many golfers that I should do this, I should do that. There's an expectation. There's judgment that, yeah, you should do it if you're of a certain level of golfer and if you don't you're not that level of golfer so as dick talked about there's some self-identification there and what i and just being in the present moment um it it really when golf is really going well in all aspects of our lives we're learning from it and not making judgments about ourselves and just that it just doesn't feed that compulsiveness Mm -hmm. if it's if it's in a learning oh what happened there Again, so assessment, learning and assessment are are so sure. close. You know, and, and it's funny because I think a lot of it, and this might be a good takeaway for other amateurs, uh, you know, sort of single, low single digits and higher handicaps, is I've really noticed, and that's one of the reasons I canceled playing on Sunday, because, you know, really what I should do is just take the next three or four days and not play. 100%. Um Again, you know, I'm I'm a little bit of an anomaly when it comes to amateur golfers because I play a fairly 
robust schedule, as I joke on my radio show, I play occasionally, and those occasions are pretty much every day. But I've been, I, I got a lot of golf tournaments um, on my schedule, and this one coming up is on my schedule, and it, it does have some meaning to me. I know I said should and would and could, but um, I know that one of the things, you know, Tim O'Connor, my mental performance coach, and I have talked about it a lot is the rest and recovery phase. Yeah. And I could tell last night, like, I hadn't played a round of golf um, on my own ball. I mean, I played a scramble the day before, but that was just more fun, even though I didn't hit it very well. But uh, I hadn't played in a couple of days, and I found myself after three holes yesterday tired. Yep. And, and, and that's a weird thing to be for someone that plays as much. I'm physically in good shape, and I, I'm, phys- I'm, in, I'm in golf shape for sure. But I, you know, basically, I think it was the, maybe it was even the third, it was the second hole. That's what I remember. I remember walking off the second hole we played last night going, ugh. Yeah. Like this. That's your- uh, and, and all I did was just not get an up and down. I was like, ugh. Stupid golf. And that's your first clue that you really shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, yep. you know, to me, it's, it's um, whether you're playing a lot of golf or you have a lot of things going on in your life and, and you know, you know, you've got, you've been, you sold your place, you got all kinds of stuff going on with your business. So, but I'm just making a connection to everyone has busy times in their life. And when you want to go play golf, well, it should be, and it, <laughs> there, how's, how's that? Should, but golf really should be an escape. You know, it's fun. It's challenge time to be with friends. And even when you're competing, if you can still keep that kind of a mindset and that you're fresh and you want to be out there, then you can then you can start to play some golf that's really truly indicative of your potential and the amount of skill you've got and the talent and the work you've put in. But when you're tired and just not not really, I mean, that's time to get away from it. And I think another thing uh, in terms of, you know, looking back and what can I learn from the last two or three weeks? Because, you know, I, I think uh, the, the last show we recorded, it's just really great. It's like... Um, it's like actual therapy for me because in the last show we talked about the humiliation of shooting a huge number and a big invitational and then right on top of that I have to go into the mid-am and that was fairly humiliating. I'm not going to lie, it was. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends were worried that I wasn't going to come back the second day. I was like, oh, really? Really? Would I give you that? And maybe I would have 20 years ago, but I was always coming back the second day, partly, partly because I knew that I was, I'd feel more comfortable and I'd like to see how I would do. Um, but I think I've just, I feel tired of golf. Yeah. And part of it is because, I know what my point was going to be. So in this mindset, down the rabbit hole, on the 401. Compulsiveness. Compulsiveness. What it does is it exacerbates everything. And I'll give you an example. So last night, I'm on the second hole of the, of the night. It's a, you know, it's a men's night, so we start on different parts of the golf course. I'm on the second hole. I have like 156 uphill into the wind. Uh, middle pin. I'm going to give you this detail because it's important. Uh, uphill, so it's playing. It's, it's a probably a club win, club and a half, whatever. Might be playing 165-ish, 168. And I take a six iron and I choke down on it. And I make and I'm in a bit of light rough. And I just I I make great contact. And as soon as I hit it, I know I've chosen the wrong club because I rip it through the wind. It lands 175 yards and bounds over the green. And as I'm walking up there. I'm saying to myself, 
it's not you 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 guess you just it wasn't that you made a bad swing it's just that you didn't as, assess 100 the number because really the number was the middle of the green was 156 but i only needed to hit it about 146 to have it hit the front of the green and then release so i really shouldn't have hit, i had and, and I, I had a flyer lie and even though it wasn't a crazy win but enough win to affect it but i should have thought really the mistake here is short of the flag but I'm, I, my mental acuity for that situation is way down. Exactly. Exactly. And so. that is a, a microcosm of every shot I hit recently. And just so much like every golfer who plays the game. Once you get down the rabbit hole, we'll, we'll go with that metaphor, in a round of golf and it's not going well and starting to think, you know, gosh, am I not on plane? Am I not shifting my weight? All that stuff. That takes away from your mental energy to make proper assessments. You're, you're distracted. Your thinking isn't as good because you're in this emotional place. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe just not take the time. To, to make this make that proper assessment, as I say, from a neutral place. One of the things that I've, I've been reading this really interesting book right now uh, called uh, "Trying Not to Try." Uh, the last guy, the, his last name is Singerland, uh, a, an academic from British Columbia, and he posits, I like that verb, mm-hmm. that whether you are expending energy mentally or physically, it's the same thing. It's still it. It's still energy. Exactly. So when we're down the rabbit hole and this, all this compulsive thinking that uh, Dick's, uh, it's really been all this wonderful stuff Dick's been talking about, you don't have the energy to make proper assessments. And you Couldn't also, agree more. And you don't have the energy to monitor your thoughts and your feelings. When you start to lose it, you really lose it when you're tired. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's in the, I'm, I couldn't agree with you more, and I said that. I'll say it twice. Here's why. Because I know a month ago... I would have looked at that lie. I would have looked at the wind and on my assessment would have been better. I couldn't tell you whether my swing would be better because the same swing I made with that six iron, if I make it with a seven iron, I'm pin high or just short of pin high. And as soon as I hit it, I was, I got mad ish, not really mad, but mad enough that I, cause I, I tugged it slightly. And from the flyer lie with a slight tug, that's why it flew forever. Exactly. And I was, First of all, I was my first reaction was, you know, about my swing. Like, what did I do to tug it? But then as I was walking, I was like, no, the real problem was you didn't assess it correctly. Then I didn't get it up and down and whatever, whatever. There were moments in yesterday's round. And again, I, I think most people who know I'm, you know, who play with me would say, you know, Howard outwardly hasn't really changed much. I'm always very supportive. I try and be supportive of other people. I, I think I over-index on the... You know, making sure I watch your ball and look for your ball and tell you what a great swing that was and nice shot and way to go or too bad. But to myself, it it, it really is something else. What's going on with me? The amount of self, uh, the things I say to myself, I think I've even joked about like, really, I would never say that to somebody else. And I think I say that because most golfers have gone through this. That's the point. Most golfers go through this. They call themselves horrible names, uh, treat themselves uh like they'd never treat anybody else. Yeah. And that's why things like there, there's things that we get into are deep into feelings that really, really help. So this stuff's really good, but also just little tools. So you could think, how would a PGA Tour caddy 
you know, how would he relate to you? He certainly wouldn't call you a bad name. He wouldn't mm-hmm. say you're an idiot. You shouldn't yeah. be out here. He'd be doing everything he could to help you keep calm you, yeah, down and keep in the present. Exactly, all of that stuff. So those those are good things you can think. So about. coming back to feelings, because you and Zokal were sort of disagreeing on you know thoughts. Uh, you know his his point was you need to control your thoughts, which will in- help can control your emotions. And I sort of was sided with you that, you know, your emotions inform your thoughts because if you're an emotionally um, sort of chaotic state, which is what I've been in playing golf the last, you know, I can't remember now. It's been since early June. Uh, and again, even my assessment, if I look at the rounds I've shot in the month of June, it's only been the tournament rounds that have been sort of sketchy. Yeah. I've had a lot of, uh, you know, I've had some 74s and fives and threes or whatever, but to me, they're meaningless because they didn't happen under pressure. And and I'm sure, again, you've pointed this out before, and it's true. I'm sure a lot of people listening would have liked to have shot 76, 77, or whatever I shot on the weekend in a tournament. Yeah. But I, I was, you know, I, was, I thought it was horrible because I felt like I had a chance to win it. So finishing fourth, which, again, is cute and everything, it didn't satisfy me because I'm so... Uh, it was, you know, emotionally chaotic now about golf that I didn't, I don't even see that as decent results. You're, well, you're attached to the result, it, what it says to you, yep. uh, the shoulds, all that stuff. And man, it's just all golfers go through it, but it's, 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 and it's hard. I mean, Dick talked about train it. I mean, you want to get really good at this game or anything in your life? Holy crap. It takes skill and intention and commitment. And oh, I love Chris. See, Wicked Game. Get it? Wicked yeah. Game. Oh. Are you with me now? I am. Totally, All right. Totally. Wicked Game. So can, or we I play, could do, can we play Soul Sacrifice next? Well, we could do this. Be- Courage. Yeah, yeah. Bouncy too. Yep. Yeah, go for it. Or we could go down this one. Howard Glassman, 56 years old, loves the game of golf, is thinking of quitting because bowling seems like a lot more fun. Don't, don't. Bowling, dark players aren't freaking out. I'm reaching my hand to you. Grab it. No. Grab it. it. All right. Take it. Uh, Listen, everyone. Uh, Great uh, show today. (laughs) We've got to do more music stuff. You come to me and you say, Godfather, my game is shit. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding asking for a swing change. <laughs> Why did I sound Asian involved? You, he's the Asian godfather. Um, all right, kids, listen. <laughs> you know, maybe I should do... Everything. Maybe I should do more of this before I play. Oh, yeah, you should be playing this while you play. Yeah. How could, I should you, just... get, how could you get stressed with that? Oh, That's right, man. I don't like reggae. I love it. Hey, man. All right. I get that reference. That's 10cc. It is. I got it. See, that's good. Hey, I'm a... There's like four people in the world that would get I don't like reggae. I love it. Uh, that's Dreadlock Holiday. I'm a former music critic. I get it now. Yeah. I'm very impressed. If I could start bringing uh, some Lou Reed into this, actually, that would work because he's been down the rabbit hole. Heroin, all kinds of yeah. stuff. I'm hoping you're not considering that, are you? Oh, well, maybe. If I, you know, seriously, if it could help with my golf swing. Well, if you go with methadone to start, yeah. you could... Uh, Entry swing. level. Anyway, kids, this has been another episode of Swing Thoughts. Tim O'Connor is the mental performance coach at O'ConnorGolf.ca and uh, Clublink Academy at uh, Glen Abbey. So that's cool. Uh, Howard Glassman hosts the award-winning Humble and Fred Show at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Program is brought to you by TaylorMade, Adidas, M1, number one driver in golf. 
You know what happened to me last night? I uh, was going from the, uh, I guess it was the seventh hole to the eighth hole uh, at Glen Cairn, and uh, I just take my driver because you you, know, you leave your clubs. And I put my driver, when I went to putt, no. I put my driver down no. on the, I didn't, I put no. it on the ground and scratched the top. Oh. I have a scratch now in my oh, M1. Oh, no, I heard, I could just feel that coming. It's ridiculous. Oh. When you know, it's going bad, it's going bad. Dude, you have no idea. No, I do. I get it. I, like, know, I... I uh, I'm reaching out to you. Both hands are reaching out to you. Every single thing that happens to me now in a round of golf, I see it through a prism of negativity. Take a break, dude. Go to Iceland. Yeah, I'm going to Iceland a week from Friday. In fact, uh, will we... Uh, I guess we'll record another show before I go. Yeah. Okay. And, but it'll be a happy show. It'll be nothing but happy music... This is over the rainbow, by the way, just in case you were curious. All right, everyone. But it makes me cry, that song. <sighs> good thoughts, good thoughts, and uh, swing thoughts on Facebook, O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleAndFredRadio.com. Have a great week, golfers, and, uh, you know, go brave. Or whatever. Get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park, but meantime. Sound of the river, you're stopping your hole, everything. Double ball time You feel alright When you hear the music ring And now you step inside 